This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 18. In this episode, I got something for you. Do you like stories? Do you like ninjas? Do you like storytelling ninjas? Well, if you do, you're in luck because this episode features a Daisy Alechi and her quest to become a storytelling ninja. She's well on her way. She has a great story and a few different stories to tell. And I go back with her. She's another one I go back to the Potion Collective Days with in Bushwick. Um, We had a great time catching up. I loved hearing what she's up to and her outlook on life. We went to Mars. Uh, We talked about how every story has to have darkness and light. So if you're going through hard times, remember that's just a part of your story. It's just one part. And just keep pushing through and climbing up. And the light's going to shine through on the other side. Um, so, yeah. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're climbing. Keep climbing. Keep striving. But here's a Daisy Alechi. Let's have a conversation. Bartholomew yes. and uh, Carrie Lowe. Yes. So. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's. Yes. Yeah, finger snaps for that. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. <laughs> so. Very, very cool. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. It's really, really good to see you. It's really it's, good to see like, you too. I, I was thinking like when last did we see each other and it's been years, I think. It's definitely been probably back when all of those people like you know, of yep. whom the two I just mentioned yep. when we were all hanging out. Um, yeah. Damn. You know, yeah. like I, maybe I ran into you sometime after. It wasn't like there was ever an official end of that time. Yeah. Maybe there was, but. I think that I sort of remembering, I remember it sort of just kind of, mm-hmm. everyone sort of kind of dissipated. Yeah. Um, people moved and then like the th- the events that brought us together it kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, yeah, I definitely moved. <laughs> so where did you move to? I moved. Um, <clears throat> I moved to Fort Greene for a couple of years. Yeah, and then I moved to Bedsty. Nice. So I like. I started grad school. I went to film school, um, and right after I graduated film school, I. I skipped over to Fort Greene for a little bit. That's a cool area, um, too. It is. It is a cool area. I, I, I kind of always sort of felt on the outside of things yeah. over there. Um, it was a very, like, it's a, it's a pretty white space Yeah. There. <laughs> and, like, everyone was definitely, like, a lot wealthier. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, the, I, Yeah. <laughs> my first neighborhood was... Uh, south park slope and it was like my first year in new york which south slope is like wasn't the same as like park slope park slope and there's even a thing with that of like that's not like you know park slope people that's not park slope you're in south slope like right. and it's like i <laughs> know it right you know and then it's like 
yeah, I know I can't afford everything that you like, you know, so I just couldn't relate to the, I liked it though. I mean, it was nice, Yeah, (laughs) but it was sort (laughs) of like, um, yeah, you feel like somebody like looking into like the windows, like, you know? Yeah. I definitely felt that way out there. Whereas that's like, that's the thing why I have the love for Bushwick, even though this is changing too, but, um, there's something about, there's still like, there's still the same issues. There's still affluence, like all mm-hmm. of New York, New York city, but, mm-hmm. um, there's a rawness and especially back when potion collective was happening. Yeah. Um, there was more of a rawness in the neighborhood and yeah. like, um, it's a place like, I think, you know, I don't know about now if I would recommend it for a new, I still would, but like definitely then it's like if you were a new artist or just new person in New York, it's like, go live in yeah. Bushwick. Like it's close to Manhattan and it's, um, there's food and restaurants. Yes, and it's like yeah. a, affordable <laughs> yes. way yes. to live in the city. Yes. Um, and there's a community, you know, yes. that you can tap into or communities, you know, we yeah. were in our bubble but there were many others yeah 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 yeah. I definitely agree I mean like when I first moved to New York in like 2009 I like I I didn't know anything about this but like I moved to Brooklyn and I was um working with Guernica magazine which is this like arts and politics journal and I worked remotely a lot and then I remember one day sort of thinking like I want to like do more art Mm -hmm. and I want to find people who are like-minded and I literally went into the first coffee shop that I found and it was potion and from there it just like it was community and like art and all the things that I was looking for and it was affordable back then yeah um so yeah I would yeah I I don't know what the prices are like these days it's I mean the rent's going up like everywhere Uh, um I think the L train shutting down is gonna like actually has benefit (laughs) like i've experienced benefits like we almost moved to a new apartment that was like we almost moved to a spot that was more expensive like by a little bit but had like it was like the same apartment that we have now but with a washer and dryer and like a dishwasher so it was like a couple hundred bucks more we almost did that and we Mm would have but then we talked to our landlord and it was like under a month like it was like within a month And they were like, no, you got to give us 30 days. I was like, no, I've been here. Yeah. (laughs) And I know you can find somebody like, and we had a back and forth, but our landlord, for whatever reason, they did not want us to leave. So they actually um, hooked us up a little bit and then they made us an offer. That's a blessing. That was an offer we could not refuse, (laughs) you know? That's amazing. Yeah. But, but I think part of that, um, like part of the negotiation in that was that the L train is going to shut down and. Yeah, I think prices like they went up a lot, and then they've they've been going down out of the fear yeah. of the L train shutting down, mm. um, which is going to have a major. Oh yeah, a huge impact on this area. I'm imagining also William, just everything yeah. along that line. Okay, so is it also shutting down like around Manhattan? Like, is it like throughout the L or just in Brooklyn? I think it's. I think it's going to be like different sections, okay. but I think the the big the big shutdown is specifically the the train yeah. from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be bus service. There's going to be optional but things. I've been like... biking actually lately, 
So oh, I'm hey, good. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> You're like I'm staying put yeah. <laughs> as I can. Yeah. 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 Um and also with Uber, um, which I I, tr- I did that a little bit too, like mm-hmm. last year, like I stopped managing um a bar like about a year ago. Um cool. Was Pine Box open when you were here? Yes. Yeah. So I was managing that for a while and That's then awesome. um that stopped and mm-hmm. I was trying to figure it out. I was also trying to get and have been doing it and kind of finding my way, but trying to focus more on arts again and like acting and whatever it is. But, um, during it, there was like a period of time. Okay. What am I going to do just in the meantime, survival jobs? Mm -hmm. Um, so I went through the whole, which that's a whole (laughs) other thing. But, um, I do think from a consumer standpoint, especially as a black consumer in New York city, I was very grateful for Uber and Lyft um, to be able to get a cab and go home mm-hmm. without the hassle of, one, not being able to flag down a cab sometimes, two, um, being discriminated against for being living in Brooklyn, which is illegal, of course. But, you know, like, you remember that, right? Yeah. Cabs asking where you're going, yep. and then if you said Brooklyn. They, like, zoom yep. off. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So... Like, I'm, like, shaking thinking about those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a woman. And, yeah. like, I'm still black, so it was still kind of tricky to get it out. But, like, you know, so it was easier for right. me as a woman, and it still happened. Yeah. It's, like, it would still just zoom off in front of you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, um, so you went to grad school for film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take these off. Word. Like, yeah. It's so I can like hear myself think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I went to I went to grad school for a documentary film. And um And you were doing some documentary work, if I remember, you were doing something of that ilk like bef- like when I first met you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was um I studied journalism um in undergrad and I worked in journalism um Actually, while I was still in college, I like wrote for the school newspaper, but then I also worked with uh, public radio in Nashville, and a couple of my stories went national, and so I had that feel of journalism and and story. Um, and then, like when I, um, for my, I, I kind of like fell in love with the longer form mm-hmm. of journalism. Like I had done like the short form like I have a 3 p.m. deadline um like go chase the story get a quote write the story and then send it to the publisher or like the host or whatever and they'll run it but then I started doing like longer form stories um like features and there was just like a sense of joy there to be able to spend time with people sit down with them really like get to know them as people as opposed to like Give me a quotable quote just so I can make my deadline. Right. <laughs> um, and then for my thesis for undergrad, I um, that was kind of when I started to do a little bit more documentary style stuff. And at the time, I really only because I'd worked in radio and I had written, um, I made like a radio documentary, like a long form doc and I interviewed my mother and kind of documented her coming of age story during the Nigerian Civil War um and I loved that process and I loved like just recording people and then like that 
I don't know, when you ask people to talk about their lives, you realize that like not a lot of people are asking people about their lives. I just saw her open up in a way that I had never seen her open up before. Yeah. I mean, she was like totally transported and it was a joy to go on that journey with her. And I was like, I want to do this all the time. Um, and then while I was here, I was working for Guernica Magazine and it, I was doing very much like, I was their blog editor and it was very much managing writers' work and um, coming up with like content ideas and things like that. But I wasn't doing a lot of my own work, which is why I then like would go to Potion to like read out stuff I'd written like late at night because I just had to get something out of me like yeah. and share it. Um, and then I started to think like to arc, I like I have this overall goal in life of just being like a storytelling ninja. Yeah. <laughs> like being able to tell stories in as many ways as possible because yes. different stories lend themselves to different mediums and I just want to tell stories. Yeah. So I was like, okay, dope. I can write. I can tell a radio story so I can like cut interviews together and throw in some music and I have that sense of storytelling. But I don't know how to tell pictures visual tell stories visually. Um and so I was like, maybe grad school, like film school is the way to go. Um, so I applied to this documentary program. And I chose documentary um, because, like, I love fiction films. And I, I want to be able to tell fiction films, too. But there's something about learning how to, I don't know, watching people do things in real life, like people living in real life, that thing translates into narrative. So if you can capture a real story that people are living and sort of like get a sense of human beings um, that way. I think that translates to also the fiction side of things. And um, yeah, so I just was like, documentary film, let's do it. And I did it. And I made a couple films that went to festival. They're like really short little like petite films. That's cool. <laughs> Um, and then I, for my thesis, I started, I shot this, um, like longer form film in Nigeria, um, in my mom's village. And that film is still, I am working on it to like <laughs> finish it up the way that I want it to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, through, I think like actually podcasts, I've learned more about the process of documentary film, like just from different interviews, but yeah. it can take like years, right? It like, can take time. Yeah. It can take a lot of time because it's sort of like, I mean, for a number of reasons, one of the reasons as well is just like funding is, mm. is kind of like a tricky thing to navigate. Um, it's an expensive medium to make. And it's an expensive medium to distribute. Yeah. Um, it's also a tedious medium. It takes time. You know, the when you have this footage and the story in your head, there are so many ways it can go. And you have to decide how to arc the story, how to tell the story. Um, and that can that can take a long time. It and can it, be taxing. Like, like I think, because uh, like with a fiction film or like a not a documentary film mm -hmm. um you in general 
know the story ahead of time yes. and know the structure of the story. <clears throat> yeah. That can change, but with documentary, you might have an idea and like I uh, like I'm thinking of the um Icarus, the the movie about, do you know that one? I don't think I do. So it starts off it's about performance enhancing drugs and the guy mm. um basically he's he wanted to know and did an experiment where he was going to take like all the steroids and see and then run a bike like do a bike race once without it and then do a bike oh, race after being drugged up through the process though um the guy who was going to help him do this and help him cheat the tests there were a couple people who went through but he ended up getting involved and in touch with this guy from russia who then spilled the beans on all the stuff going on over there interesting um and how they cheated the whole system yes. over there and so then the whole, you know, the whole yep. focus and the whole story shifted. Yeah, that's that's like textbook documentary film life. You go in with a story and then life sort of throws your story away and gives you kind of something better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you can never – and I think that's life. And I think that's one of the things I love the most about nonfiction storytelling is that, like – it's sort of like a, a representation of life itself. You have a plan yeah. and you say, this is what I'm going to do. I've written treatments. I've written like synopses. You know, this is the thing. Like I have interview questions. I have characters. I have all these things. And then you go in there and life is like, no, throw all of that away because this is actually like the real thing happening on the ground. And you have to adapt. Yeah. You have to adapt. I've also been, like, I've been going through it myself, and I feel like I'm on a back in tune with my, but there isn't one set path, but back in tune in the fact of, like, for me anyway, I've gotten caught up and, like, sabotaged myself by planning too hard, like, kind of, like, trying to stick to a plan to a point where in the, like, you get caught up on one step, Mm -hmm. And then you forget what you're doing in the first place. And I was like back to like, okay, what do you want to do? So then it's like, just do that and don't worry about planning so much. Like really keep like working on your craft and like the things you love. Like people, I mean, people say it all the time. They're like, do what you love. You know, your relationships with people are important. Like protect and nurture those. Um, But like just work is work on being your best and things will work out but it's really hard to follow you know yeah yeah i i totally totally understand i feel like i'm in a similar space Mm -hmm. right now um that like sort of going back to the foundation of what do i actually what actually makes me happy yeah what is the thing that i do that and the thing is that when you're doing the thing that makes you happy you feel the world sort of fall Open into up. sync yeah. around you mm-hmm. it just sort of like harmonizes perfectly um in general but also in the moment when you're doing that thing that makes you like the world just sort of comes together it's it's a really it's a really fantastic and i don't know it just like Right now, it feels like relief because, mm-hmm. there, like, for a period of time, I was definitely like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z with my life. I'm supposed – like, this, like even down to the film I was talking about, like, the long-form film, and this is kind of why I, like, am 
going back to it. Because there was like, while I was making it, I think that I was listening a lot to feedback on like so many people's opinions and how it, it, it was supposed to look and feel and sort of lost like that um, initial idea of what I wanted it to look and feel. And then coming to the conclusion that like, you know, people will have opinions about things, but there is a reason that I wanted to tell this story this way. And maybe people won't get it right now. And that's okay. And maybe they will. Like, um, one of my mentors talked about that actually a lot. And it's something that I've, like, I still, you know, struggle with that balance. But um, her saying was protect your process. Ooh, because, like, you know... Um, constructive criticism and feedback can be helpful absolutely but also it can be like sabotaging and not like some people like there's a time and place for it and like sometimes you have to be in your own process and trust your voice and and shut out other voices yeah until you know yeah yeah that that trust that trust in the self is so important and so necessary. It's what makes us fall in love with pieces that we see and think, holy shit, that was amazing. That's because someone had a vision. Yeah. <laughs> and trusted it. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, absolutely. I love constructive criticism because it, when you spend so much time, just you and the art, you and the art in like a confined space, late at night, early mornings, you kind of want someone who's like, who's you know, vision you actually trust and you respect to look at it and be like, what does this make you feel? And that's useful. I think where it gets kind of messy is when everyone and everyone's like, yeah, no, I don't really like feel that character. Like, why, like, why do they X, Y, Z? Like, <laughs> you know, then, yeah. then you have to sort of know where to draw the line and draw the boundary and be like, you know what? Like that part just may not be for you and that's yeah. okay, but I'm, I'm going to keep it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Trust, trust in the self, and trust in your vision. There's a reason that it gets that your ideas and your visions get you excited. It's because there is something special there, mm-hmm. and it's it may be something that someone else has not experienced, and will be like a gift to someone, staying true to that vision and pushing it out into the world. Yeah. Trust. Yep. I'm trying to get there. <laughs> One day I will. <laughs> but it's definitely like a, it's definitely a process. Um, but um, yeah, speaking of that, so like I, so the reason it feels like relief right now is because I also like took time away from art in general, mm-hmm. not really voluntarily. Um, but I'll just like back up a second. So like the, so my mom fell sick, like I want to say like 2013 or something. Mm -hmm. Yes. And like in the early, it was like early 2013, there was like word that, oh, maybe there might be something a little wrong, but we don't really know what it is. Um, we're just running tests. We're fine. It might just be a little something up with her liver. She's good. But I like from that moment that I heard that something might be up with my mom. There was like a 
like among all the other like traumas that sort of hit you at the same time, one of the things that happened was that like the bridge between my ideas and getting them done and like engaging those ideas was sort of like severed and like blocked off. It was very bizarre. I couldn't, like I used to be the person who would like have an idea by lunch. By dinner, I'm at my computer. I pounded out the story, 4 a.m., finished, sending it out to publish. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when this thing happened, like I couldn't access anything. And I thought, and this was after, this was after grad school. So like I still had like the um, like insecurities even about my work because it's like it like had gone through the ringer of um, reviews and you know art school reviews can be rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was already like doubting myself as an artist at that time, and then this happened, and I was like, holy shit! Like maybe I'm just not very good at the. Maybe I've had all these pipe dreams of you know, thinking that the stuff I make is actually good and maybe I, sh- maybe this is just not for me. Like, I, what was I, like 25 or so and I was like, I'm 25 and I can't access this creative space anymore. Maybe I'm just not supposed to do this. Um, but I like, despite the fact that I couldn't access myself, which which is how I consider the creation of art, it is a part of my identity. It was almost like I couldn't reach myself. Sorry. Um, and it was hard not being able to make things. Um, but there were like moments that I would sort of like hold on to where like I'm riding the train and the fragment of a story would come to my mind and I would jot it down. So those things sort of like kept me afloat thinking that maybe I can like, I'm not altogether broken by this thing. Like, and I couldn't really tell what was going on and I thought that I was just like weird and like I couldn't get it until I talked to my best friend whose mom had stroked twice, like kind of back to back. And she was like, I feel the same, like the same thing is happening to me. Like ever since she fell sick, like my best friend couldn't also access that place in her mind that created things. And that place in your mind is what makes sense of the world and what grounds you. If you can't access it, it's almost like, it's the loneliest scariest feeling um and I didn't at that period of of time from like 2013 to 2016 like all that was going on but I couldn't even like think about it because I was also um, we were all trying to take care of my mom and like get her better and you know make sure she's happy and make sure she's well and so I didn't even have a lot of time to think about too much about what was going on inside my mind, um, which was probably a good thing. I think that maybe if I had like had too much time to think about it, it may have gotten pretty dark. 
Um, so it was like, you know, like the day to day of um, caregiving and like the logistics of cancer. Well, my mom, like we found out later, like not too long after that early 2013 that she had ovarian cancer. Um, and it's a lot of work for people taking care of the patient and also the patient as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I th- like. I think what was happening in that period of time, like, it was that like. Because I couldn't really access that part of my brain to do work. I kind of involuntarily started listening to life, just being there. And it was still hard. I mean, I fought it because, like, I, I kept putting a lot of shoulds on me. Like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be working on my film. I should be writing more. I should be, like, my film should be in festivals. Like, if they're not there, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not pushing hard enough. I'm not being creative enough. And then, like, gosh, you just get tired. And then, you know, I just started paying attention a little bit more to what was happening around me, Um, spending time with my mom and listening to her. Mm -hmm. At that time, I mean, until I think I really thought, like, all those years, there was always the hope that she would, like, come out of it. You know what I mean? So, like, I would pay attention, but, like, perhaps not as much as I could have. But I'm still grateful that I I did get that time to kind of, like, find myself tired of worrying about my own shit and then, like, just sit down with her and... Listen, she was also a storyteller. I mean, she wouldn't, like, identify herself that way because she was a physics professor. But mm. she, like, she would tell me stories all the time. Like, if you sat down with my mom for five minutes, she would have, like, told you a story about, like, her childhood or yeah, just something that, like, you walk away with, like, a gift. And I had a lot of moments like that with her. And the closer she got to the end the more she would just like tell me stories and dreams, like the most intimate, the most like, just the inner space story. You know, like like the inner private room that only you gets to be in? She would let me in there. And it wasn't like a mother telling a daughter a story. It was like a sister telling a very close sister stories. And um, do you have uh, how, how many siblings do you have? I have two older brothers, okay. no sisters. Yeah. Gotcha. So like we, my mom and I were, we were close. We had like a, a complex relationship, um, but we were very much familial relationships are complicated like yeah. that. Like my, because my parents divorced, um, and my dad's been married three times. And my brother, we're only, I'm only like just under five years older than him. Mm -hmm. But um, again, like there's certain aspects of like growing up like that at certain times, like he looked to me, like he looked up to me like as a big brother slash like father figure, even though I was 
a kid too. Yep. But it's like, yeah, you know, your all of your relationships can yeah. have all those different yeah. dynamics. Yeah. And then with parents, like if they, as old as they get, um, there's a point where you maybe have to take care of them and mm-hmm. then the dynamic switches, you know? And, yeah. 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 The dynamics totally flip and nobody gives you warning. It's just like one day you find yourself like being the caregiver and like kind of assuming the responsibility of something of a mother or a father as it were. And you're like, Oh damn, <laughs> here we are. Um, but yeah, so it was, that's kind of the the way it, it went. And then and then she passed away in the summer of 2016. And then I spent a year just kind of like immediately trying to get back to what I was before any of this happened. Like, okay, this has happened. It's past. Now get back to work. And like I work in... Um, my day job is like I work for a wellness media company. I run their video post production department. And I had never worked so hard in my entire life. Like I kept all kinds of hours just like I guess trying to avoid dealing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um but still kind of unable to access that place where like my own creativity existed I still couldn't get there but for like a client or like other people I listen I was pulling up from 40 I was sinking them I was like acing everything and it gave me like a sense of validation that I can like I'm not entirely broken I don't really know what's going on with me like personally but like at work killing it Mm -hmm. I'm all good (laughs) um and then one day like I don't know the after my mom passed, I had I had a lot of guilt, and TBH, I still do. About her, about her passing, or about yeah, yeah. Just thinking you could have done more, or what? Yeah, like if I had done X Y Z, maybe she would still be here. Well, you, know? you, I can tell by talking to you, you did, you know, the best you could do, and that's all you can do. And I know she knows, you know, how much you meant, or she meant to you. Thank you, know. you. Yeah. And like I know I know that like logically now cuz I I went to therapy finally. Yeah. Um but there's still it's it takes work to kind of get to a place where you are like I believe this. Like this is logic and I know what the truth is, but then getting to a place where you actually accept it and believe it takes work. Mm-hmm. Um but um I went to therapy and I and I asked my therapist after like literally like a month of just going there and like just bawling for like the full hour, <laughs> I was finally like, hey, what's go- what's up with this thing where like I can't access anything? Like is that normal or am I like broken? Like it's okay if you, can- if you tell me I'm broken. Like it's fine. I've like made my peace with it. And um, my therapist was kind of like, well, like what-, what do you actually, like what do you create? Like what's your, what's your medium? What are the, like the subject matters that you um, – typically cover and like I sat down and I like ran through the stories I've done that I'm most proud of and the ones I want to tell and I was like well they're mostly about black girls and women and African girls and women in diaspora and on the continent 
And he was like, okay, like what kinds of stories? And I was like, well, actually, most of them are about the mother and daughter mm-hmm. dynamic and relationship. And he was like, well, that might be why. Like, it's um, it's probably like a like a defense or protective mechanism of the brain to like sort of cut that off for a second because there's too much trauma there. Yeah. To access those stories. Um, and I like. First of all, it was nice to like actually sort of get a sense of a what was what could have been going on, but then also realizing that oh shit, like huh, that is true. A lot of my stories are about like African women and girls. Like it sort of helped me like hone in my like storytelling raison d'etre, I guess, yeah. like into one um, sort of synopsis line. Mm-hmm. Um, but also gave me like a sense of like relief. I don't have to force anything. Like I'm not I'm not entirely broken, but it is like something broke. Um but it's not it's not permanent. It's like it's a re- it's a response to trauma. And I sort of like like having that out of the way, I started to think like, well, I can now start focusing on what makes me happy. And storytelling makes me happy. And so... And the that part of the story is part of the, exactly. like, mo- the story. <laughs> like, exactly. There's no, like, it would be nice to not have to go through those hard parts, but yeah. the, the, in the real, real life, real stories, every story, there's... There's yeah, darkness there's, that you have to go through, you know? Yeah. That's how the brilliant parts shine so brilliantly. Yeah. Because of how dark the dark parts are. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know. It's It gives me a sense of just deep relief mm-hmm. to be able to sit down. Like, in, like I write in the mornings um, before I do anything. So I wake up around, like, 5.30 and even if it's just for an hour, just write. And not even, like, putting a time mm-hmm. cap on it. Like, removing all the shoulds. Yeah. And just, like, getting to what actually gives me joy. And, like, it feels damn good to, mm-hmm. like, just sit down with it. And this thing that's been sort of dancing around in my head, like, whichever part wants to express itself on any day, I give it space. And it does it. It may not be, like a full-on, like, story one sends to the New Yorker or whatever. But it exists in the world now. And just to, like, watch it exist, it gives me a lot of joy. And, like, not forcing it or fighting it anymore. Not, like, oh, why can't I just do what I could do back then and, like, write a story overnight and send it to be published? Like, understanding that because of life the process has changed it's funny also um i'm I'm, i want to get back to writing in the morning because i think it's a good practice for anybody um but especially if you have that type of brain um but it definitely helps me like with thinking yeah but i've definitely felt more cut off at certain points in life and whatever and sometimes think back to like oh no i was super inspired and i was everything i was writing was amazing 
but I do have some of my old journals and sometimes I'll go through and there's some good stuff in there. There's also a lot of stuff that was just like brain, you know what I yes, mean? Yes, yes. So it's like you tend to also like um, when you like when you go through like the harder times, you also in your memory, your memory of like the times before is also like romanticized in a way too. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't all perfect. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's also like, you know, yeah, it's. I look back and it's like, you know, it's, sometimes it's nice to look back, but it's like also you can't go back. So exactly. You can go forward and like better is ahead. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Your best work is still. Yeah. To like, come. To come. And it's going to be it's a new territory, you know, right. and then you'll be excited. Yeah. About yeah. that. Like the revelation of, oh, I like had no idea I could do. Exactly. This new thing, you know? Exactly. Like when you allow yourself to kind of like be present and have that sort of like be present but have a hope for what's to come, you'll be surprised at what you put out and what you like imagine. You will surprise yourself. Forget about other people. Yeah. Like you will surprise like the things that your imagination can come up with when you give it the space. It's confounding. The, like a mind that is allowed to sort of like flourish. Mm-hmm. And, like, you remove all the, like, shoulds and, and if this, then this. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. You will be surprised at what you come up with. It's, it's dope as hell. Yeah. Just let those, like, little ideas, let them grow. Let them flourish. Put them out. Even if it's just a snippet at a time, put them out. Yeah. See what they become. Mm-hmm. Super dope. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so some of your, um, like documentaries or shorts, um, can, where can, can people find those online? They're kind of scattered, which is what I'm, one of the things that I'm working on at the moment. It's like, believe it or not, I don't have a website, which is like, (laughs) why? (laughs) So I'm working on building that. But if they go to my Instagram, you will see like. Most of my stuff and. Do you have your domain name? I would just say buy, buy that. Buy it first. Just That's a good buy idea. it. Um, I got That's my a good idea. band. Our domain name got swagjacked some years uh, back. How? Because long story, but like it, like I have several domains with uh, GoDaddy, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, my band name, the contact was different from everything else. Like they had an old email address, so it was expiring. It wasn't on auto renew for whatever at that time. And so then it expired no. without my knowledge. And then someone bought it. Yeah. But they bought it just to extort me. Like that's, oh, come on. That's people. a, that's a business. Like if, so Word. if you like, you should be able to get yours now, but okay. once you buy it, if it expires, companies like there's a business where all they do is they buy up expired domain names. Oh, wow. I see. Because them. they see that, like, someone has actually purchased this yeah. before, which means they will want it back. Yep. That's dirty. Like, yeah. That's it is. so fucked up. I still haven't bought it back. Like, because it's like. How much <sighs> am I like, scared to even know? They're probably like, I mean, like a few times that, like, that you, like, a few times more than you bought it. It's probably a lot what more. They, oh, Jesus. Um, I'm sorry, dude. It's not like, you know what I mean? My, my credits aren't so big that like, but like the bigger your like 
public profile is, then the more they, they can extort yeah. you. Wow. So, you know. How do people live with themselves, though? <laughs> so yeah. it's tricky because yeah, I'm stuck yeah. with, do I want to spend a few grand to get it back? Excuse That's how much they're... Sorry. Yes. That's how much they're... Yes. <laughs> oh, my and, God. But the thing is, like, do I want to do it? Because um, if I don't, like, it might be more expensive down the line or somebody else right. might want to use the name for something else, you know? So I would just say buy it, um, auto renew yeah. it. Um, yep. Just do it, you know? Yep. That's a we good can idea. talk about that. Like, yeah. That's a good you idea. Should, you know what I mean? Yes, I want yeah. people to be able to find you. But yeah. uh, Instagram, what's your handle yeah. again for? Uh, my Instagram is Ada underscore Elichi. Um, yeah. Go find me. Do I mean, on Instagram, you'll probably like, I'll, tell people where my stuff is showing or where it's being yeah. published. And then you also get like some of my exercises. So like the the little things I write at like 5:30 in the morning that aren't like full stories, I still publish them on my Insta. Um and that makes me happy too. Like social media is like it it's good that way to like offer a platform where you can like put out some stuff that isn't like a full polished I, film or yeah i mean story. i think it's um i have mixed feelings about social media oh, same um, but i do think for <laughs> like if you have a focus like as an artist it's it's great it's um, amazing it can do amazing things for artists for like um social justice mm -hmm. it can and like news it yeah. can it can be a lot now where it gets messy is like it's kind of like fire it can like warm your house or it can burn your house down yeah um and i think we've seen like through this election process um how it can burn down a house um but we've seen like through the like the black lives matter movement how it can shine a light mm -hmm. on really dark shit and then catalyze change yeah so it really depends on it's a sharp tool it's it depends on how you use it i think yeah um and how you, I think the other thing it can do is it can use you if you're not careful. Like you oh, can, absolutely. it can be a distraction. Um, I'm trying to figure it out with this because I think like I haven't been heavy like with um with my band and others. I haven't been super, I've been with Facebook for a long time and like I kind of have a problem there. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> just What's a Facebook, just an addiction with Word. it a little bit. Um, yes. But I've, I haven't, I, I never got, fell into the Twitter wormhole. Like I've have a couple Same. of profiles, um, for the podcast. Like mm -hmm. I've set up the different ones, my <laughs> social, like I have no idea what I'm doing on Twitter with, uh, at all. Like I'm just not good at it. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think it's, I'm going to research and get better at it right. because I think, it's like for the goal of getting the podcast out there mm -hmm. and the, and the purpose of the podcast is also to help, um, support and get other people's yeah. art out there. Yeah. So it's, it's just super, dope. it's a focused thing. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool way to approach social media. Like you're using it. Yeah. You're, you're like learning it to find out how it can help you. Yeah. Um, and I know there's ways, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's ways I could exploit it, like, th that works. Because that's, I guess, I don't know, it's like to each their own. But mm -hmm. for me, 
it would not be authentic to me as a person, as a brand or whatever to do bullshit things for attention. You know, even though it is like attention is the game, I guess, of it. But like for me and what I want to be about, it's like I'm not trying to be inauthentic. Like, yeah. Unless it's a joke, you know what I mean? I mean, like, people can... The other thing is that people can smell that bullshit a mile away. Yeah. Like, and I don't even... If that's not who you are, like... Yeah. It's so easy to tell that someone's not being who they are. That's that's it, too, I think. Like, um, I wouldn't be... Like, I don't think it would work for me to do that. Because I'm not... Like, I don't think you're going to be good at things that aren't you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, like, the, I think part of the reason that, like, people get so many followers is that there's something very attractive about people who are just themselves. Yeah. Like, you want to be part of that party. Like, you, like, if you were there, if you weren't there, they would be that. Right. And you want to be part of that. Yeah. Um, but when you can tell that someone's doing it for, like, the, the likes mm-hmm. and the, you know, and the follows, like, People might watch, but then they'll go back to the people that they find interesting. Right. Um, so, yeah. Although, like, listen, <clears throat> so, social media addictions, that's a, <laughs> that's a real problem for me. Yeah. I have to, like, cut myself off after, like... Yeah, exactly. I take hiatuses. I take breaks where I'm, like, I'm on for a little bit when I'm, like, posting stuff. And then I'm like, you know what? I have literally spent like two hours of my night on the shade room. Yeah. Just. <laughs> and that's like, um, I think like I, I've i always like had bouts of insomnia. So yeah. looking at my phone does not help that at all. Like in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. That blue light. And yeah. also like the fact that your brain is still like. Running. Next story. Next story. Next yeah. dog video. Yeah. Now there's a raccoon eating know, peanut butter. Are, you know. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So like, what what was up with your insomnia? What was that about? Oh, it, it's been an ongoing thing since I was like, it started when I was like in elementary school. Oh, oh damn! You had you had insomnia in elementary school. Yeah. Jesus, that's that was my first uh, existential crisis. <laughs> was like at nine years old or something. Jeez. Yeah. What is life? Yes, exactly. Damn. And not being Damn. able to shut it off, like. Damn. Yeah, like real existential dread. Damn. As a eight or nine year old. Wow. Um, probably like that was like after the divorce, like my parents divorced when I was eight. Got um. It. There are, I mean, there's definite things I can trace back to then. I think, um, even though, like, it was a amicable divorce, um, but when I was like, uh, like, so it was an amicable amicable divorce, but before that, you know, it, my stasis was, you know, two parents together, mm. mom and dad, and normalcy and then them saying they're going to separate it's a lot and yeah just kind of your world your reality being broken yeah. you know um and wow. trying to reconcile yeah. that um and then if your world can get broken like that then what is the what world else? what's yeah. life like wow. what happens wow. after we die is there heaven I don't know. Like, what if there's not? How do we know? Damn. Like, I'm tired. 
Damn, um, eight or nine years old. Yeah. Damn. So, and then my brain just yeah. can go all this yeah. all through it. Um, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad for that. I'm glad for the early things. I'm glad for the early counselors mm-hmm. because it's made me able to deal with my own like things now. Yeah, it gives you tools. Yeah, but one thing. So the company you work for now, what what is that called? Is Mind it? Body Green. Mind Body Green. Oh, I know them. Yeah, we we just won a Webby <laughs> nice. again. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. There's an app, right? I think I have the app. Um, oh we don't have an app yet. You may be thinking of Mind Body, which okay. is a whole other company. Gotcha. Um, but Mind Body Green. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're a pretty 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 cool group. Um. And lots of information about, like, how to manage. Like, like. yeah. One thing um, recently, it was probably around the, like, ending the managing thing. and mm. But it was before that, too. Like, it was, like, basically, um, I went to get a physical when I was going to drive for a while. Yeah. And they asked a series of questions about like sleep habits, about like your outlook on life. And they're like, huh. They're like, according <laughs> to this, like you sound depressed. And I'm and I and my okay. answer was, well, yeah, but it's just I have a lot like yeah, but so what? Like, you know, there's a lot <laughs> on my plate right now. Word. Like was what I was was what I thought. But then I really acknowledged it because before that like in the summer i did a study on adult adhd Mm. like a paid research study and was diagnosed and all all of this stuff you know there's a whole controversy on whether what adhd is whether it's real or not like i think it's real but basically when you know some months after that they said you're you you know you're maybe depressed at first, I kind of like brushed it off, just like yeah. yeah, whatever. But then, it really got me thinking um, about mental health mm-hmm. and how we don't like we don't deal with it. Like that's the natural thing. Like kind of what you were yeah. talking about. You were going through a lot of us. The way we handle things is we don't acknowledge right. um, that we might be going because yeah. it's like you feel like you're weak or something for yeah. You or know? like, why can't I get it together? Like, yeah. get your shit together, that kind yeah. of thing. Or like, everyone must be feeling this. Like, this yeah. isn't special. Go to work. Just yeah. get it together and go to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so mental health is like super intriguing and important mm-hmm. to me. And like, one of the big things is just, to me, one thing working through it is just acknowledging and being aware of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the f- that's a first step and a big first step. Just the acknowledgement of what's going on can really change the way you relate to yourself. Um I definitely I totally like I um I can be very hard on myself. Yeah. Like the this whole relate. like get it together, go to work, that's like I'm trying to change that voice to mm-hmm. be like you're okay. Like, you've been through some stuff. It's okay to be a little depressed. Just put your clothes on. Go do what you have to do, but be gentle with yourself. This is what I would tell a friend. Right. Um, but, like, 
that acknowledgement that like something is up with me. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. Just an acknowledgement of that. It can like help you be kinder to yourself mm-hmm. and like change the way you move through the world, I think. Yeah. Um, so definitely mental health is so important. And like mental health in our communities too. I yeah. feel like we um we can brush it under the rug a lot and like in our community like in, in the i see it a lot like in the black american communities but also in like nigeria i'm nigerian in nigeria mental health is not a thing right like the concept of depression is like why are you so sad like be happy <laughs> like that's the that's the solution like this idea of like you know ADHD or anxiety or depression or any of these things even bipolar is like all you this know, stuff you know i i also think um the us like the culture or the like lack of culture in a way like is i mean depression exists everywhere in mental yeah. health but i feel like like nigeria and probably a lot of other cultures around the world where there's more of a like the family like the there's more of a community i guess like because here for everything like it's everything's kind of individualistic yes um and materialistic and um for i think like for all the ills that like religion has caused and like old beliefs have caused all the like strife that those things have caused um what we have in the u.s is with well i mean it's not really free for everybody but like with the idea of freedom of thought and freedom of lifestyle and freedom of this um sometimes when things go wrong here um people feel very lost because Mm -hmm. you don't have the old institutions. You don't have the old, um, you don't have the community. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have the community here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause even why are you so sad? Um, that's at least a nice thing versus like, you could be like your world could be falling apart and people just walk. Like and you're completely alone. Exactly. Like, you know, um, I do think New York, like New York is interesting cuz I think it's in a way a very lonely city in one way but in another way as far as like US cities I think it's also a very nice place to be alone because yeah. there's people people actually for the bad rap that we get here um people are actually like interact with each other more yeah. here than I think like yeah. in a lot of other cities, like yeah. in a more, cause you have to. Yeah. We're so we're a walking together. city and it's a very small space. Like yeah. every day, good, bad, ugly, neutral. Yeah. We are interacting yeah. so much more with people than we were if we were like in Texas. And that's where like some people get thrown off by it. Like it's like if somebody's doing something really stupid and they <laughs> like not intentionally <laughs> stupid, but just stupid people like have no problem like what are you doing yeah, someone will tell you why are you being stupid right now <laughs> do you not know that you're being stupid sir you're being stupid <laughs> and then like you know that person might be like, and people are like no you are being yeah, stupid everyone has something to say <laughs> yeah. 
That's like, it's beautiful moments like that. Yeah. I'm like, damn, we're a community. Yeah. Like on the train when everyone yells at one, mm-hmm. <laughs> one person for being dumb as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, um, that's an interesting thought. Like I've been thinking a lot about that too, like how different communities manage mental health. Um, and like this concept of therapy has not taken hold in like Nigeria um, medical care in general in Nigeria is like really, really, it's, it's definitely not where it should be. It's only the, the wealthiest get, you know, a decent amount of health care. And even at that, they don't really, there's so much that we have to like outsource. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that? Do you, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole, that's a whole. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's a good question that we really should ask our government. Why is it? That there isn't good health care. Because, I mean, from, like, I, I've grown up with, like, a number of Nigerian families, like, here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I know they're Nigerian-Americans, but, like, even when I think of, like, Nigerians and, like, comedians talking about Nigeria, education being mm-hmm. super important. Yes. So, it's like, uh, so I think of Nigeria as a very educated place and i also think of a lot of doctors you know what i mean kind of like so but i guess india is like that too like very education's up and obviously there's a great wealth disparity and yeah there yeah there's i have some theories about why why this may be but we have yes how long do we have (laughs) (laughs) there's there are so many factors but you are right that there are a lot of educated Nigerians we do value this stuff what's wrong with Nigeria is not the people like right. the individuals we are enterprising we are hardworking and driven people everywhere in the world that we go we excel there's a saying Nigerano de carry last we don't believe in coming last place yeah <laughs> we work hard and we want to work but we are under like the worst government and well you know truth be told perhaps this government is better than like what we've had over the past like two decades we've been under a couple dictatorships and of of course we've colonized i just (laughs) so many thoughts but um i think that once we get our management under control and deal with the corruption issue things will get better because the people The human power is there to make our country better. Yeah. It's just poor management. And we're rich. We're like naturally wealthy. We sit on wealth. Everything from oil to natural gas to precious stones to just the soil itself that is like, it yields amazing crops. But we haven't tapped into like how to properly access those resources and like make them work for us. There are a couple people up in government who feel like, who collect money from the like our, our main export is petroleum and natural gas and it um people just pocket that money they don't send it to where it should go there was a there was an incident that was really really callous i think there were displaced people like in the north there's a lot of stuff going on with Boko Haram um and it has created a lot of displaced people And around Ramadan, I want to say the government of Saudi Arabia, don't quote me on that, one of, like, a government from that region sent over dates 
um, to give to these displaced people so that they can have something for the fasting season. These, these were gifts. Right. Our government found a way to sell them. Like, really? They, they are literally taking food out of hungry people's mouths. That's the kind of government we have. So, like, if they can do that to displace people, what makes us think that they actually care about, like, providing universal good health care? I mean, that's a fundamental theory I, I have with, um, like, why I think prison reform, like, in this country is right. so important um, and why our foreign policy, um, why it's so important to not be um, brutalizing anybody because it's like once you do it like once you do it to any group you know i don't care if they're prisoners like not all prison like there are innocent people in prison first of all and also like mm. there are also criminals like white collar criminals who just walking free ruined millions (laughs) of lives like you know um cost people lives and put elderly people on the street with the theft, you know, in the financial sector in the past mm. decade or so, yeah. um, like the blatant like theft that's been going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, once you like brutalize any population, like what's to like, what's to stop, like what's to stop them from doing it to anybody? Like, it doesn't mm. matter. Like it's mm. to, if somebody's doing that to somebody on another part of the globe, um, or to like our, our prisoners here they'll do the same thing to to everybody else yeah you know yeah Yeah. that kind of and and that it's power that is unchecked yeah and misplaced energy that is just allowed to course in that misguided direction yeah there and this this is i guess is why we have like laws to provide checks and balances but the moment one person, like the moment the law does not do what it's supposed to do, that's a problem. Or when you can buy your way out of exactly, like, that's the, exactly, uh, and that's the law not doing what it's supposed to do. If yeah. someone can find a back door out of a law, you have a problem. Yeah, because they will there there will always be like then that person's like invincible. Yeah, they can do anything, and the door is open for other people to exactly. keep doing it exactly. The, I mean, it allows some people to believe that the law does not apply to them. And it, any, I mean, and, and it doesn't apply to some people, unfortunately. And like, it should. It should. <laughs> but, it absolutely should. But we're at a precarious time here in we're this t- country with, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out. But This country. But already, t- like, I mean, regardless <laughs> of, like, what's currently happening with, like, this administration, the stuff that happened in the financial sector... Um, and I was just listening to like this long interview with a guy, like a reporter, like breaking it down and just like, this isn't, this wasn't just bad business practices. This was like illegal, blatantly illegal things happened and people got away for it Goddamn. and people got bonuses off of it. Like Goddamn. it's, it's crazy, you know? Mm. So then, yeah. This country, and, like, I know other countries have, like, their issues, but, like, I live here now, so, like, you know, I see the news every day, but the blatant way people can walk away 
from breaking laws, like fundamental laws, how certain demographics have that shield that the law does not necessarily apply to them. Yeah. Is is dumbfounding. Like I like I'm shook. In a country like my country, the law should not like the laws there is no rule of law. We have law books, but they don't really do what they're supposed to do. We are what's considered a quote unquote developing nation, right? That but America is supposed to be the gold standard of democracy. I think that's changed. Like, I think right now it's not anymore. But it's still kind of, like, if you ask, like, if you look at the rest of the world, well, you're right. Maybe not these days that Trump is in office. I think everyone's sort of seeing through the bullshit. But. Which I think is, like, and I think that's one silver lining is with everything happening right now and the big question mark on what our government is right now. Right. Is, like, revealing like it, it's a destructive way to do it, but it's pulling the mask on a lot of the flaws, like the, a lot of the Kool-Aid everybody was drinking. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, there've been <laughs> problems. And like now at least we're addressing, like we're forced to address them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. That's the, that's the thing. Some people have been like, even when I think of like, um, situations where like ex- like police brutality and things like that that is now like on the forefront yeah. of the news this isn't this hasn't been news for some people for some for some people this was every day but now there is this idea that like you're saying like the wool has been pulled you know pulled away the greater world is now seeing that this is someone's reality like this fear, this existential anxiety living in this country in certain skin, like in this black skin, living in this country, you have these anxieties and it's not all in our heads. This is the system like actually destroying black bodies. Like this is a reality. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that the world is now seeing that perhaps... Um, <laughs> I had a friend who, um, I have a friend who lives in London, and he <laughs> called one day. He was like, yo, what are you guys doing in America? <laughs> like, you guys are using black bodies for, like, target practice? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what they're doing. But he was like, I, like, he did not know it was to this extent. And that's, like, a good thing that's happening. I wouldn't necessarily say it's, like, because of how terrible the current government is. But Yeah, it's, I, I feel like. Also, but there is a wave, I would say. Yeah, but I also feel like some of the brute, like the police brutality, is also um, goes back to like post nine eleven, like mm. kind of the well, they call it the militarization of police. Yeah. Um, but which is funny yeah. if you ask uh, military personnel, they take offense to that because it's militarization of police in that the police are getting armed with military level weapons. Um, uh, military personnel take offense to that because, um, if you are overseas, like in an active combat zone, Mm. one of the first things that you do is, uh, I forget they have a, they have a term for it, but basically it's like community relations. Like they try to make good with the community. I'm not saying everything is perfect, but it's not the way police treat like 
like black here. and brown yeah. neighborhoods here. And like they should. Yeah, because be. here they treat them like an occupant, and they treat them like the uh, like it's like a threat first. Yeah. Versus, come on, like most people are just trying to live. <laughs> like most people are just trying to live. Just trying to live. <laughs> that is the bottom line. Let us live. I like. I don't understand it on a fundamental human level. Let somebody live their life. Like, why is this so hard? Must there be somebody that must under must be under the heel of someone else in order for the world to go around? Like, I think that's the old model. Like, and that's like we have to change. Like, we have to like as humans yeah. change that. Otherwise, we're not gonna like. It's tricky, but um. Yeah, otherwise we're not going to survive. And it's tricky because every great civilization does fall. Again, this is a scary thing. And it's like, not to be doomsday or apocalyptic, (laughs) but like history teaches us that. And I mean, we've never had this many people that we know of. But I don't, yeah, we've never had this many people at one time on the planet. Um, yeah. So who knows? But it could, unfortunately, like, the the thing that's sad about it is, I think, with technology and innovation and, like, especially with, like, green technology mm-hmm. um, and where we're at with technology right now, we have the ability for the first time we have the ability and the resources to actually like feed everybody and like create a sustainable world. Um, and the only reason we're not is because of greed. Yeah. Like that's the only reason, like that's the only reason for, for all the ills of society is greed. Like human beings, we are, are like, we are our own worst enemy we are like the best and the worst of like the world like we can we are the ones who like will imagine a i don't know a probe going to mars Mm -hmm. right that's incredible but we're also the ones who like warmonger and like (laughs) and sell guns that like end up killing babies in schools like and the same people who will steal dates from starving people yeah just to make a little profit just to make profit that they'll stuff in their pockets. And yeah, and it's I was talking about this before, like you can't you can only like at a certain point you can't have any better food. Like at a certain point right. you right. can't have any better life. Right. And like to me, I'm like I I I like have I like I'm I appreciate the life I have, the struggle, the debt, like everything that comes with it, but I appreciate being able to eat food and I appreciate the yeah. things that I have and I, I, I want to have a good life and everything. Um, but for me, I want to have a good life and I want like my neighbors to have a good life too. Yeah. I want, um, there not to be homeless people, not because I don't like, you know, them. I don't not, not like anything, but it's just like, I don't want to see people suffering, suffering, um, when they don't have to. Um, and also it's like for the billionaires and stuff like that, it's like, listen, you can have your nicer things have you like, you have so much money. You can have 
all the nice things that yeah. you want. But then, like, the money that you can't spend, like, do something with yeah. it. You know? Do Think something with it. People. Like, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, if... When I'm a billionaire, <laughs> like, I, I won't be. Like, I don't want to be that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But, like... If I were a billionaire, like, feed the feed the world, like, you know? Right. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Or like, at least expand your world beyond yourself. Yeah. And I think that's something we can all do. I think yeah. That's, but it, the billionaire can do it to a greater extent. Yeah. Um, I think that's, like, they say that, like, doing things for others gives you, like, a sense of joy that's greater than keeping that thing for yourself like yeah gift giving or doing something to make somebody's life a little bit better like sort of triggers a euphoria in your brain so like even if you are thinking about yourself you can feel better <laughs> yeah by giving to somebody mm-hmm. um i think that I, uh, human beings are so confusing <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah is there anything else you want to talk about um, I think we covered everything. I think we did. I think yeah. we covered a lot. We, did good. we covered a lot. We covered a lot. Of, I mean, I think we, we went international. Yep. We, 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 went to, we went to Mars. We, we went, went to Mars. Intergalactic, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think that just, um, yeah, we'll continue the quest to like fill the world with love. Crush fear. Yeah. I usually ask if people have any final words. <laughs> that's, that's so Maybe, ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to find a better way to say that. Um, any closing yeah. words? Any know. closing words? Yeah. I think that would be it. Yeah. It's, um, fill the world with love. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Good catching up with you. Good to catch up. Thank you for having me. Spread love, it is after all the Brooklyn way. That was my conversation with the Daisy Aleche. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I had a great time catching up with her. Um, I do have some good news. She did, in fact, secure a domain. It is www.aleche.com. That's www.aelechi.com. The link for that, as well as the links to her Instagram and Vimeo will be in the show notes for this episode. Um, Thank you very much for listening. This episode and all the episodes are recorded in my studio in the Rack Shack Bushwick BK lingerie store. Um, All-inclusive lingerie. Uh, My studio's in the basement. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. Get after it. Do your thing. Keep climbing. Keep your head up if you're going through it you know, better times on the other side and going through is just a part of it. Take care. Peace. Peace.